0: Hit me.
1: From Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the hit, it's time for Sucker Time, the number one comedy podcast about comedy podcasts. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy podcast podcaster Mark, Mark. Hershaw. Mark.
2: Yes, I am Mark Hershon, and this is Epi 79 of Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast. It is also the very first Epi of the new year for us, so happy 2014, everyone. We've got a bunch of fresh clippage for you this episode, but before we get into it, I've got former special guest and now friend of Succotash, Paul Mercurio on the Succotash Hotline from New York. Happy New Year to you, Paul.
3: Happy New Year, my friend, you grandfather, you. You don't look old enough to be a grandpa. You look like a young, you're like the young, creepy grandpa that hunts out. (laughs) Uh, Did I just reveal something to your listeners that I wasn't supposed to, that you're a grandpa? Oh, no, no, no. I have no secrets for my listeners
2: at all. Oh,
3: yeah? Not about that weekend in Vegas? Well, that's still Uh... a secret.
2: But come on, that's just between you and me, buddy. Exactly.
3: Wow. How great was that? I never saw a guy with four testicles. Wait a minute.
2: (laughs) Nice to be back on with you, buddy. I want to see you next week, right? Absolutely. You are coming to San Francisco to the Punchline. Yes. January 13th through the 16th. Is that correct?
3: No. Boy, you really suck at this hosting Oh, shoot. January 15th to the 18th. Oh, 15th through the 18th. I'll be there the <laughs> you know what? I'll be there Listen, the 13th you're a waiting grandpa, for you. grandpa. You. you had a senior moment. That's okay. <laughs> the 15th through the 18th. Yeah, Wednesday through Saturday. Got one one show Wednesday, one Thursday, two Friday, two Saturday. i love coming to that club. It's one of my top 3 favorite clubs in the whole country well, and just crowds well, you, know,
2: you know what? I actually started out my my comedy career helping to book that club. Oh, you did back in. I started in. Oh, you're
3: right because in the green room it says Mark Hershon sucks that's all over the place.
2: Exactly, he exactly. is an asshole. No. But right. yeah, since uh, it, from from the time it first opened around 19, I'm going to say it opened in I think 80, but uh, I started helping to book it in 81.
3: Mm, Jesus, well that is like comedy lore because you like that's that is like the place that launched. Uh, there's that is one of the most fun green rooms to sit in because there's pictures of a young um paula poundstone dana carvey looks like he's all about 15 um uh Robin williams Williams, bobby slayton uh, uh, yeah and they're all like crowded around a little It's great pictures and uh the crowds are so great there and um and listen, you can get pot from just about anybody in the audience, which is the best thing ever. <laughs> Including the waitresses. Well, yeah, yeah, just a little too many Asians for my liking. But other than that, they're a perfectly fine group. No, no, it's fun. So you'll uh, be... How was it booking? Because comedians are nuts. How did you handle that? How did you even get into booking in, in, in 81?
2: Uh, well, I actually, I started out helping out when they were doing the San Francisco comedy competition. Oh, wow. uh, I was the official timer scorekeeper for three years, and oh, wow. then they actually hired a, an accounting firm, sort of like a low price uh, Price Waterhouse. Are, are you serious? Yeah, yeah.
3: I <laughs> come out with like a suits with a briefcase and locked,
2: Ex- handcuffed with wrists. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah. the the uh, the John and Ann Fox, who were running the the competition, started the started the punchline. Uh, after they'd done a couple of years of the competition and it had been held the, uh, where the punchline is now, it used to be the, the uh, dressing room for the old Waldorf music club next door that Bill Graham owned. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. It was a giant dressing room, obviously. And, mm-hmm. uh, Bill Graham said, Hey, we should open this thing up as a comedy club. <laughs> And so, uh, he did and they booked it and they hired me to help them book it. So, uh, great. and working with comics was, was actually pretty cool. I really enjoyed it quite frankly. Um, because they're always on their best behavior when they're trying to get work. <laughs> yes,
3: exactly. It's once they get work. But I remember, boy, I tell you, you, you start out in the business and you have one perception of it and then you get into it and it's like another, like, um, one of the things you do, and I, I assume this is the case on the West Coast. I started on the East Coast in New York. If you had a car, you could get work because you drive the headliner to the same, gig. Same with the West Coast. Absolutely. Right? So you're like, right? So it's like you get fifty bucks and some gas money, <laughs> and you really right. didn't have any time. You sucked, but as long as you didn't like, you know, crap yourself, you were fine, right? <laughs> so I had to pick this one guy up at the airport. I don't want to mention his name because he's still working now, but he um, he couldn't have been a bigger dick. He was just like. Oh man, I'm edgy. I'm this, I'm like Robin Williams, but I'm much more topical and this and that. And he had long hair and he's like really like a uh, hyper and like, and I'm like, all right, what? I don't know. What do I, I don't know anything. Right. I'm like a former lawyer and now trying to be a comedian and <laughs> right. I'm just trying not to, not to, you know, you know, screw, screw myself on stage. So I drive to this gig. And he proceeds to do, like, the worst act. Like, it just, just this all, like, literally, like, ripping off Robin Williams, like, in terms of this energy. But, like, he wasn't oh saying anything. The jokes weren't very good. So then, now he's talking about, like, himself, like he's Bill Hicks or, like, whatever, right, in the yeah. car. He finishes his show. I'm in the wings, okay? It's a big room. He takes a steel rod and he swallows it. <laughs> then he puts flu- lighter fluid in his mouth and he blows flames. Then he takes a giant heavy-duty piece of, like, floss <laughs> and he snakes it into his nasal nose through <laughs> his nasal passage and out his mouth and flosses his nasal passage. And the crowd stands up and gives him a standing go, like, <sighs> And I'm standing and I'm shaking my head going, I got to get out of the business because if this is what they want, I can't do this.
2: I'm so happy that Paul Reiser moved away from that kind of act.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, much better with relationship stuff.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's a great story. Yeah.
3: And And then the end of that story is, we're driving, I got to drive him like to his hotel, which is like an hour away, but I had to drive him to the Bronx to get Coke and wait <laughs> in my car while he was getting Coke, like surrounded by guys that like just wanted to kill me. Nice. Like, what am I doing? And he and didn't even offer me any Coke. Like, it was like, uh, I didn't even get any, like a little bit of a taste. And
2: you're still in the business. And I'm still in, now I'm that guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, Paul, I don't want to take up too much of your time. As I've uh, already mentioned to my listeners, uh, you and I will have a much longer conversation when you're out here and we're doing this face to face. Yeah. But I just want to let people know that are here in the Bay area, uh, that uh, they can come see you. Uh, it'll be next week, uh, the 15th through the 18th at, mm-hmm. at the punchline in downtown San Francisco.
3: There you go. And people can follow me on Twitter at Paul Mercurio and, uh, and then you're going to come to the club and we're going to floss our nasal pass. <laughs> That's right. And shove steel just...
2: rods down our throats. Exactly. All right, Grandpa. <laughs> All, right. Talking All right, Paul. Safe trip out here. I'll see you next week. All right. Take care, buddy.
4: Hi, this is Rick Overton of the Overview Podcast on iTunes. And you're listening to Suckatash, the comedy podcast
5: podcast.
2: I will be at Paul Mercurio's Wednesday night show at the Punchline this week. And I'll have a pocket full of Succotash buttons. So if you make it by, just ask me for one. I'll be the guy wearing a Succotash button. (laughs) At least until I give some away. Then other people will be wearing them. Next up, a little holiday cleanup. We got this belated holiday message into the Succotash hotline from our friend Hob the Troll. Hey,
6: Succotash people. Hello. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays.
1: Uh, All that stuff. It's Hob the Troll. Hello. Thank you for playing me a couple of times on your on your show. I really enjoy it. I
6: just
0: you you told me to if I had a Christmas uh, or holiday plug to let you know I did a Christmas song on the Hobcast. So that's
6: what I did. It's all I told you. You should listen to it and subscribe. Just like you subscribe to this podcast, which is very nice. Well, thank you everybody. I'll see you
2: all next year. I've got some great guests. All right. Uh, Goodbye! So we've got a bunch of clips to get to, as well as the first Burst-O-Durst of the year and the entire first chapter of Adam Barker's Batfella Serialized Adventure. But first, let's get to...
1: The 10 most active shows in the Stitcher Top 100 Comedy Podcast List!
2: (laughs) Before we get to the list, voting is currently going on for the second annual Stitcher Awards. Succotash, alas, did not get nominated this year, but that shouldn't stop you from getting up to the Stitcher.com site and voting for your favorites. There's a link at our Succotash.com home site to save you the trouble of typing in all those pesky letters. As far as the ranking for the 10 most active this week, here's how it looks. At 35, what about pod? Pod. Up 12 places. At 36, Burt Cast's Podcast is up 34 places. At number 56, PRI, Michael Feldman's What Do You Know is up 28 spots. At 57, Smodcast Edumication up 19. At 69, Wits is up 28. At 71, Where's My 40 Acres, Ratchet, and Real Opinions, up 27 places. At 74, Industry Standard with Barry Katz is up 57 places. And at 82, the Champs, with Neil Brennan and Moshe Kasher, is up 14. At 97, Smodcast, again, with Last Week on Earth with Ben Gleib, up 28 places. And finally, at 99, the Dana Gould Hour is down 13 spots. And just in case you're wondering, Suckatash is hanging in there, if, by hanging in there, you mean number 7561. And that's your...
1: The 10 most active shows in the Stitcher Top 100. Comedy Podcast list. <laughs>
2: I have some important succotash news. Uh, last year, 2013, we started getting clips from various podcasts sent along to us by a listener, Tyson Sainer. Not just clips, but notes on the shows they were from as well. Pretty much everything a host needs to run a big-time operation like Succotash. Well, Tyson kept sending in clips and was so helpful that I named him our honorary associate producer. I'm happy to announce that for 2014, Tyson Saner is no longer our honorary associate producer, but that he is now the show's official associate producer. Congratulations, Tyson. He's going to be co hosting a show with me later this month. But in the meantime, he continues to send along clip after clip. And you are welcome to do that, by the way. You don't have to be Tyson Sainer to do it, but he is the only one who's gotten the associate producer title. Uh, but you can send us clips at clips at com. They can be from your own show or they could be from shows that you like. Or if you don't want to take the time, just tell us about shows you like, write us a letter. Uh, and tell us. You can write me personally, Mark, M-A-R-C, at succotashshow.com, and I will be more than happy to uh, track that down, or I'll send Tyson after it and bag a clip from him. So... uh Take care of that. Now, our first clip this show is one of his. As a matter of fact, we featured Big Pop Fun, the podcast hosted by comedian and actor Tom F. Wilson before. It's a nicely put-together interview show. And recently, the guest was none other than friend of Succotash, Travis Clark from the tiny odd conversations podcast, which makes me feel a little bad because I have my own interview that I have not had a chance to uh, get to that. I did with Travis and his wife, Brandy when I was in LA for the Podfest last October. So I do have it, but until I get to it, there's this.
7: I knew from an early age that my dad was a Vietnam vet. Like I knew that I I knew those words. I don't think I knew what it meant till I was a bit older. Like I knew, Oh, it meant he was in the military because it, at like five or six, I think, you know, you're still playing army. Like you think, Oh, that must be fun. Like, it's not something you think of as something that changes your perspective on life, Mm -hmm. you know? And I knew that he did jokes about it and I knew that people found it funny because I would see people laugh at, at the, you know, but a lot of his jokes were like what it was like to encounter the drill instructor, you know, stuff that you see in films and stuff. So Mm -hmm. I, I, as I got older, I was, it wasn't until, uh, well, There's a lot of things. I mean, there there was a a lot of stuff that he was open about with me if I asked him. But then as I got older, I was like, I mean, there's part of me that is curious. There's part of me that goes, want to understand my father better and understand his experiences. The other part, that goes, is this something I'm allowed to ask about? Like, I don't want to dig up the horrors of war and have you talk about stuff that you don't want to talk about. But I remember, I think it was... When I was about 18 years old, I don't know, whatever, you know, I was 18, so I was full of being 18, and he asked me to do something, and I gave him some smart-ass answer. And then it occurred to me, like, my dad has killed people. (laughs) Like, I probably shouldn't be mouthing off to this guy. Like, this man has taken lives for a living. Like, not like, like, for a, for a couple years of his life, that was his job, was to go to a foreign country and to eliminate people he was told were an enemy. And that is something that you go, Oh, like, that's pretty heavy. That's pretty serious. And he has told me, he's told me some really, I, I think he keeps the really haunting stuff to himself to mm-hmm. not bring it out on other people. Um, but he's told me story. I mean, he told me. I, I hope he doesn't mind me repeating. We don't this have this to. Stuff. Travel, no, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm fine. I just he told me the story the first time he ever shot somebody. Mm-hmm. And I remember being really. And I, I was I was a teenager. I was probably 14, 15. And just one of the, like, it wasn't like, Hey dad, so tell me about murdering. Like it was, we were just having a father son moment. We were just talking, we were talking about life, talking about different things. And he said, you know, I was in the military and I was, I was out. We were out. We weren't even out looking for somebody. He was out walking and he, uh, if i'm trying to remember the story right but i remember he he tripped he was walking with his he was a lieutenant in the army so he was in charge of a of of the other guys so he's leading a, his platoon and he trips and they said there was like a dead branch or a big piece of grass stuck in the in the ground and he uh he said i had to turn my head or it would have gone in my eye so i had to turn my head to avoid basically poking my eye out and on the distance he saw a viet cong soldier far off on a hill just because he had to turn his head without. So the guy was not noticing that there was a platoon of, of U S soldiers there. And so my dad took him out and he said, for a long time, I denied it to my men because I was embarrassed. I was like, I just, I shot this guy on the side of a hill for the reason that I was told to, like, if you see one of these guys, you shoot him, And I just remember, you know, y- your dad is, At least to me, what is kind of a a hero when you're a kid, you know, like he's Superman. He's whatever your version of Mr. Tough Guy is. And then as you get older, you're like, Oh, you're just a person. And you find, you know, and, and he has this incredible experience that he learned that, you know, that that's what's still crazy to me is I think about at 24, I was, uh, gotten kicked out of acting school and was like, oh, my life's over. At 24, my dad was in Vietnam right, fighting yeah. for the country and, and 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 going through. And you go, I should probably never complain about things around mm-hmm. my dad. Like, that's just a whole different level of of responsibility, like being responsible for other people's lives, being uh, responsible for having to take lives. Like, that's something I can't imagine. That's something
2: I, I just I can't put my head around. The home site for Big Pop Fun is over at Nerdist.com. And of course, pretty much every show we feature on Suckatash can be downloaded from iTunes and most of them can be found streaming up on Stitcher.com. And uh, that interview I talked about that I did with Travis and Brandy Clark uh, will be coming up shortly right here on Suckatash. I'm often talking about how vast the world of podcasting is and comedy podcasts comprise a major continent of that world. It's so big, in fact, that it's hard to see or hear everything until it's too late. This Ain't Iowa is a podcast out of Vegas, Las Vegas, that is, hosted by comedian Brian Malika, and it's been chugging along since 2006. But now that chugging, I'm afraid, is coming to an end. Brian's doing his farewell tour of the show, as he calls it, and has been having past co-hosts and regular guests calling in and dropping by to say au revoir. One of those guests was a guy who was only ever identified on the show as Wooden Spoon, and Spoon seems to have had a somewhat
8: colored and checkered past on this ain't Iowa. Do you regret how much of your personal life you have put out there?
5: No, no, I don't, I don't regret that. I mean, it's just who I am. You know, yeah. I, I mean, I was—I tried to be <laughs> upfront. front. And I shared stories that you know I, I obviously wouldn't tell the neighbor or something. Yeah. You know, but. Right. For the show, I mean, it was kind of a good outlet for that. Um, obviously, I had some strange things happen with the casting and, and, oh, and stuff like that. I mean, it, um, and then it was just a perfect situation to tell tell. You know, a group well, of people that would enjoy that kind of story. That, you so. know what?
8: That's that's. I will say that we, we do serve that role. You know what I mean? Like, people – everyone has their private lives, and everyone does stuff that's a little uh, – maybe a little kinky or a little weird in their private life. And uh, and I will say that there were times, for example, the, 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 the Dick cast, um, <laughs> that, like, I was glad that we were around for that. You know what I mean? Because I could imagine you guys probably thinking that that was hilarious. But how many people – you know, in Utah, can you realistically tell that you were trying to make a mold of your dick and your kid walked in and you're like, I mean, the, the, the whole story from start to finish is one of the greatest
9: stories ever. And, and not, not being uh, gravely offended by it. Because no. it, it wasn't something to be offended by. It was no. just a funny story that happened to you. So exactly. you have to find an audience where that story suits. And I think Spoon's right, Our our
8: audience suited that story. That might be my favorite spoon story. It's it's between that one or the uh, the infamous um, the aspirin story, where um, if if you recall, you went to bed early, and because you weren't feeling well, and you took one of those uh, like <laughs> like single serve aspirin things, and uh, and your ex, I guess, came back to the room and
0: oh, God, and yeah. in,
8: in in the dark felt it and was convinced. Not only that it was a condom wrapper, but in her mind had like... She knew, like some girl, she passed in the hall. She was convinced that that's the girl you had just fucked with the condom wrapper that she just found, and she was getting ready to kill you. That was uh, oh, that was.
10: I all
5: about that.
8: Oh, yeah. that was another just a classic story. I love oh, that Oh yeah, I, I really. See, my I
9: favorite spoon moment is is something a little bit different that that happened post marriage. Is the listerine story? That to me, <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 classic
2: spoon thinking. Yeah, that
8: was uh, that was amazing.
2: I'm not sure what host Brian is going to do once This Ain't Iowa goes away, so get it while you can at notiowa.com. We've not heard from the Pop My Culture podcast for a while. Well, it's been out there playing like crazy. We just haven't clipped it for a while with Cole Stratton and Vanessa Raglan. But we're going to hear from them now, along with their guest, Armin Shimmerman, who you might know from his role as Quark on Deep Space Nine. I think he also did a a lovely turn on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, But anyway, here's the tail end of their discussion about the film Gravity, which then segues into a chat about science and science fiction and how much or how little the tech of tomorrow has come to resembling the present.
11: The other thing that's funny about the movie too is like scientists are using it as an excuse to like nitpick the science of it of gravity. Oh, really? oh yeah, they're going crazy. But like, well, it's not accurate. There, the space station wouldn't be that close. And like, wait, it's a, it's not a documentary. Last time I checked, <laughs> it's a movie, ladies. and gentlemen.
12: <laughs> we can all relax and enjoy the exactly. show.
11: I mean, where were the scientists when I don't know ET came out? You know,
12: we well, can't a, a disprove ET. E.
11: Not. You know what I mean? It's just like you can, any any piece of fiction you can nitpick to death. Because... Well, I've
13: talked to scientists about beaming. Mm-hmm. You don't want to go through that. <laughs> <laughs>
12: have they brought it up to you? Yes, they have. <laughs> they explained to be me be how fun. difficult
13: it was, and I went, you're right. I don't want to ever do
12: it.
13: Because <laughs> <laughs> I guess what? you're you're All your Disassembled, and then they right. put back together, and they have to put back together exactly the way that they were found. Oh. And one little tiny glitch somewhere, and, and you know, you've, you've lost your head. Or,
12: Kablooey. Or, yeah.
13: All your organs are over. <laughs> Over there,
12: you know. <laughs> <laughs> Are there other things like that that you get um, like logical approaches with? Like people really want to tell oh, you Oh, yeah,
13: yeah, people often often want to ask you about uh, scientific things in in the programs I've done, and, and we we're never told. We just said, yeah. we read about. It. Okay, we get things <laughs> from here to there. And, and it's, fine. <laughs> it's like go to uh, a
12: trailer in between, and everything works out okay. <laughs>
11: it's like that Saturday Night Live sketch with William Shatner, where he's at the convention, and they're asking him. Like, is like, just yeah. a show get a life <laughs> I don't know I'm asking the combination of the safe on some episode of whatever. But yeah, that is funny. But people, he should know.
13: That's right. God damn it, he's getting painted up. He should know. <laughs> it's amazing,
11: though, that you work on something for, you know, you were on seven seasons, I seven, think. Seven, yeah. And, um, and I'm sure you know quite a bit about Quark and, you know, the stuff that you worked on. But, like, people expect you to know every bit of minutiae about your backstory in <laughs> yeah, life. They and, did.
13: I remember once one young man in his teens asked me, well, how long does it take to travel from the space station to Bajor? And I said, oh, it takes about a minute to walk from one soundstage to the other.
12: <laughs> His dreams were dashed. I dashed,
13: but that's
11: that's part of the fun, you know. Yeah, and you know that if you just made an answer up, they would
13: find a way to poke a hole in it. Exactly.
12: Well, because there's so much outside of the show, so much lore that exists, and so much history oh, that's been created. And, and yeah, our,
13: and on our show, writers were very. Uh, uh, diligent about trying to make sure that the lore was never violated, and they had to do lots and lots of research because the show has been around for a
12: few yeah. years. Uh,
13: but they did their best to, to not violate anything terribly.
12: I mean, that's a crazy thing that it's been built up for so long, and so many other things have advanced around it. So there's like a sort of kitsch nature to the lore. That's right.
13: That's right. You know. And I must say, there are a lot of things in Star Trek that uh, that you know are now. Just part and parcel. This is you, the audience can't see it, but this is pretty much a communicator. In fact, uh, Leonard once told me that uh, the guy who who invented um, cell phones, the design of it was purposely based on communicator from oh, the really? Star Trek. And the and the iPads that we read that we used on our show are now, of course, they were they were future things then. But what is it? 15 years later, now everybody has an iPad, so...
12: <sighs> it's all coming. It's
13: crazy. Yeah.
11: Have, you, have you seen the commercials for that new watch phone?
12: Oh, yeah.
11: I think it's... I don't know oh, what yeah. it is. It's like a Galaxy or something. Right. I have something, or I don't the know.
13: clips from... That must have cost them a lot
11: of money.
12: I yeah. know. So many borrowed clips. I the
11: clips. it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. a lot of money. Yeah. But I'm, I had to admit, like, I, I you know, pretty much fast-forward, you know, on DVR stuff, but I, like, I caught it at it and I was like, wait, what? And I came back, and I watched the whole spot, because I was like, oh, my God. I'm
12: just confused. Do you have to hold the... I got very lost in like, wait, but how do you talk to the watch?
13: The same way you talk to your phone. You know, you just look at it. it Put it up.
12: Put it up to your head. Yeah. Take it off. I mean, it's exciting. I lost my mind over a calculator watch when I was 10. It was <laughs> the best thing I ever had. So <laughs> I'm pretty sure that would go over well with me, too. <laughs> I
11: know. I, got to, I don't think I'd ever buy it. But at the same time, I'm like, I kind of want that.
12: Because it does feel old, like the excited. future is here. All those things that make you feel like, oh, my gosh, Can't it's Can't you just truth. talk on
13: your phone? What's the difference?
12: Oh, there's so much difference, Armin.
13: <laughs> well, I don't, have to I I don't that feel to like
12: Dick like
11: Tracy on my phone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Only when I'm or looking at my watch. Gadget, right. From. Or
13: Gadget. Yeah. I don't know It's and Is it, that all it does Is you can talk on it
12: I see I feel like the commercial Focus is mostly on Just like Oh it's here Isn't it cool And yeah. doesn't really explain A lot of my bigger exactly, questions Exactly yeah.
11: It would be hilarious If the first generation Didn't actually have A clock
2: on it Yeah, I don't know how we missed the boat on that one. We'll get it in Generation 2. I'm expecting to see Cole Stratton shortly as the 13th annual San Francisco Sketch Fest gets underway here in San Francisco soon. We'll try to have another chat with him like we did last year if I can track him down. Their home site, by the way, is popmyculturepodcast.com. I first caught wind of the Break Room Party podcast on Twitter, so I decided to check them out. At first, it sounded to me like one of those dreaded shoot the shit shows I've come to sort of hate having to slog through, but I hung in there. And sure enough, the four hosts, Josh, Brandon, Trey, and Ryan, did not disappoint. What they lack in, I guess what I'd call comedy chops, they make up for in camaraderie and good-natured ribbing. Plus, they dispense business advice. How often are you going to get that in a comedy podcast? Every episode's a different topic, and this time it was all about the interview. The boys got off into a sideline about how to turn the interview around.
5: Here we go. (laughs) Another good tip, though, for interviews. Usually at the end, the person interviewing you might say something like, so, do you have any questions? Don't be the person that says, nope. (laughs) Sounds good. You don't want that. You do not want to do that. Ask questions.
4: Uh, What I, one of Josh's suggestions to us a while back was say, when you get interviewed, ask to meet the team when the interview is over.
5: That's a cool idea.
4: So it kind of also lets them, kind of burns into the memory that you're interested in the company and that you're around for a while to meet people. And you get to meet the whole team and see what you see, think about everybody's workstations too. I remember when I was at that interview, like they should be what my workstation was going to be. And it was, looked shitty. It was like a... Plastic table, like fold out table <laughs> up against the wall. Beer
5: pong <laughs> table.
4: <laughs> it was. The and cup's still on and it. it was like, I remember because it was sinking in the middle a little bit because a bunch of like boxes oh, on top of it. Like, <laughs> you're going to be working here. We'll clear it off for you. Don't worry. I was like, great.
9: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
5: oh, that's good. Ask to see the team. No, definitely. Um, I mean, other questions. Let's see. What other questions do you think you can ask? Oh, um, I asked, let's see. My last interview. I asked, "What type? How would they describe their their leadership style?"
3: Right. Yeah, I was
5: good. I was in with like three different uh, managers at the time, so I asked them, and they, you know, give me a good answer. And then mm-hmm. I said, "You know, what what are you expecting in a candidate in this uh, particular position? You know, what do you what do you expect on a daily basis? What do you look for? How do you like to have your um, you know, information relayed to you? Whatever." And they again went into a whole big spiel. Mm -hmm. so it like turned into me interviewing them for a little bit
14: nice I I think that's important I uh even through some of the other questions I'd like try to ask a little you know if they're asking about a time I did something and I explain it I like end it with a small question back towards how their team works Mm. because I think interviewing them is just as important Mm -hmm. it also gives you a sense of power as you do it if you go in there thinking I'm interviewing these motherfuckers
5: Right. And then, right. It then you're makes, not as
14: nervous. It makes it more conversational.
5: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's
2: what you in want. The, they're not just g- reading down their sheet, which they are going down their sheet. But if you ask questions back during it, then it turns into conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, you've answered their questions in the conversation. They'll ask, sure. you will go to the next one on the list and be like, oh, I guess we already talked about this during the conversation. It didn't even feel like an interview question. Oh, yeah. You guys just talked about it. Um, I also like to s- say what what are your goals for your department or your team over the next year? Oh, like you ask them. Yeah.
5: Yeah. That way
2: you kind of get an idea of what they're striving for. What, what mandates
4: have
14: been passed down from higher ups, Mm -hmm. you know, so you know what, what they're looking for and what they really want to get out of you. Sure. Yeah, that's true. And then uh, one, I always ask them at the end is I ask them what made them decide to work at that company. Oh, Cause then they'll usually give you like sort of a personal angle on it. Okay. Um, they'll say, Oh, you know, they, you know, there's a lot of career growth here or this and that. And they'll tell you like where they started and you can kind of get some information out of that question mm-hmm. to Plus good. people like to talk about themselves. They'll probably like it. People mm-hmm. love it. Yeah.
2: Find those guys up at breakroomparty.com. They have asked if I wanted to be a guest on their show, to which I say, hells yes. In fact, I sent them a copy of my business book, I Hate People, just to prove that I'm in uh, in their number as far as uh, corporate uh, rigmarole goes. So uh, guys, if uh, if you have me, uh, I'd be honored. Another show that came via a Twitter reference is Bull, the first podcast that I've heard of that originates from the Isle of Man in the British Isles. Uh, Liam and Jason are the hosts, or rather, Liam seems to be the host, while Jason usually shows up. They do a segment called Jason's News, and that's where I pulled this clip from as the gents get into a story from somewhere in Poland. What news stories do you have for us
9: this evening? Indeed. Yes, welcome. I have three lovely stories for you this evening. Are you ready, Liam? I am ready for you. As we all know, there's one story, including <laughs> one that's got stuck up his bottom. Uh-huh. Uh huh. One story involving masturbating. Uh huh. And a story that's based in Poland. I'm really looking forward to you saying that town. I'm not gonna bother. <laughs> I'll say that right now.
14: I'm not even gonna bother to correct and,
9: you. <laughs> and I'm not even gonna say any of the names. Um <laughs> because as the stunned local person explained. <laughs> no no I'm no no hang that. on hang on hang on. His I think his name is Zislaw Molodinsky. Okay. Molodinsky. that the surname will be Molodinsky. I uh, will just go with that then. Let's just call him Mr M. Indeed. I mean, that could be a girl's name. Whatever, let's, I don't let, l- care. Let's Can go just... with let's go with the Poland story and we'll find right. out. Yeah, I sloshed Santa and his blotto helper were hospitalized hospital attire or fucking whatever. <laughs> after a <laughs> drunken fight. Down a busy high street Ended in a crash (laughs) The pair who were The main attractions At a Christmas market In Poland Poland (laughs) Seriously It looks like a bit Of a word to say Indeed So uh, Both suffered Concussion In the accident The 51 year old Father Christmas And his 31 year old Female helper Had been singing merrily And waving to the crowd Before their horse Was spooked by a beeping car And sent them Crashing into a wall Hilarious Um Um a stunned local, Mr. M, explained.
14: <laughs> was it
9: from the Bond films, by any chance?
5: It could have been. Was <laughs> M? <laughs> it's holidays. Like M, the boss. <laughs> <Yeah>. Mr. M. <laughs> uh,
9: maybe that's why he's called M in the films. Yeah, maybe. Um, it was quite extraordinary. They were supposed to have been in an attraction at the local market, and lots of people were taking their children there to go and see them but instead they saw these two who were clearly under the influence behaving like they had just come out of a nightclub or something. Another witness added, who knows what they would have done in that state. They were clearly in no state to deal with children. The pair could now be facing drink driving charges. Drink driving. That's interesting. What, what gets me with this sort of story is they've they've interviewed Mr. M, who clearly has a very Polish name. Mr. M's English is better than mine. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean it's go just, figure it's just, it's just gearing up to come come live over here isn't they, it, so. they, they find an English speaking Polish person To be fair they could have asked a person in, who spoke Polish and they, they could have just translated it for the article But my theory behind that is if they translated it the translation would be pretty rough Well do you not know that like half of Polish people live in England now Oh come on that's an overstatement Sorry three quarters <laughs> Son of a bitch. You can visit the Isle of Man
2: yourself, virtually speaking, for some more Udda Bull at Udda U-T-T-A-B-U-L-L dot com. And now it's time for a word from our sponsor.
1: Hello, friends, and happy new year from Henderson's Pants. As you set out with a freshly minted batch of resolutions for the new year, bound and determined to make at least some of them stick, be sure that one of those vows is to get yourself a pair of old Lang Slacks from Henderson's crafted from recycled calendar pages from last year. Old Lang Slacks are then reinforced with the resolve of those who failed to follow through on their plans to better themselves. Double stitched with the pain of failure, these pants are designed to stay with you throughout the coming year while keeping you on track when it comes to fulfilling those oh so important obligations to yourself. Here's the secret. Thanks to microchip technology, your old Lang Slacks are fully wired and ready for you to program in up to one dozen New Year's resolutions or 18 heartfelt promises not to let others down. Each time the pants sense that you're straying off that old resolution path, you'll get a jolt in your nether region that'll make you wish you hadn't slipped into that pair of the most comfortable pants you've ever owned. But too late now. Another vital feature of Henderson's Old Lang Slacks is the accountability time lock zipper and clasp. These pants won't come off until your resolutions are complete. Originally designed for parole violators, deadbeat dads, and political candidates, Henderson's Old Lang slacks are available to ring in the new year at a church, synagogue, or mosque near you. That's Henderson's, makers of fine hair shirts and Iron Maidens since 1206 AD. And now, back to Sackatage.
2: It's that time of the show when I like to dig into my tweet sack and see what Tweety's got for us. One thing I got was a reminder from Mike Pellick, the publicist for Fools for Hire, a very funny web series out of Canada, uh, asking when we can schedule an interview with some of the cast on Succotash. We've been uh, going kind of around and around before the holidays trying to find a date that works. I told him next week could do for me. So let's see what happens. And you might want to check out Fools for Hire. Uh, It's a web series. It's up on YouTube. And uh, it's pretty darn weird and very funny. Uh, so the season two is all sort of a Hunger Games motif. Something went kablooey with my review for last week's This Week in Comedy podcast over on splitsider.com. Got a note in the tweet sack from my editor, Bradford Evans, who says it just didn't show up. I don't, I don't know what happened. Uh, it was a review for uh, the Man by Cow podcast out of England. Very very funny podcast. I'm going to be clipping it in uh, next week's show, and I will resubmit the interview because more people should know about it. It's very funny. Um, I texted my mom and told her I picked up the HDMI cable I needed to hook up her Roku box. She texted back that she was happy. And um, I only say that because um, my mom has only just this week learned how to text, because I got her a shiny new iPhone for Christmas. So uh, there you go. And that's got to be pretty much it, right? When the host is reading texts from his mom, podcasting rule number 174 states, talk about your mom, you're pretty much out of material. So let's get to the list of some of the folks that found it in their hearts to tweet, retweet, favorite, quote, FF us, or somehow use the Succotash Show handle on Twitter this past week or so. Chris Lanuti, broadcast baseman, Casey Strong, Epic Podcast, Illusionoid, Say That Again, Doctor Norman Trousers, One Dollar Beer, Hal Loveland, Eric Newby, Davian Dent, Laura Saner Conrad and Jack Show, Nick Revel, Mount Skilimanjaro, Cooper the Comedian, Oh So True, Amish Baby Machine, Five Men Away, The Punchline, Rodimus Prime. Caleb Eats Bacon, Ed Wallach, Turk Reno, Bob Duvet, Rick Overton, John Anilio, Mike Celestino, Dazed and Convicted, Screams and Moans, Podcaster 101, Jenny Podcaster, Tim Keedy, The Pod Mafia, Sophia Di Battista, Talking Rubbish, Joanna Knuckley, Jason Ross, Jennifer, and Good Podcasts. That's going to do it for the Tweet Sack this episode. If you'd like to send me some actual email, I will read it on the show. Just send your writings to me, Mark, M-A-R-C, at SuccotashShow, dot com. And now, back to the clips. Twitter was once again the conduit for me virtually meeting up with the Hangin' Outcast podcast. These guys, Alex and Justin, are located in the heart of the Inland Empire— Which is just another way of talking about a whole bunch of nothing off the beaten track in Southern California. From this episode, I pulled the two hosts doling out some advice for those who want to get into this podcast game.
6: Welcome back to The Hanging Outcast. Uh, Let me see. I just wanted to say, I wrote this down just to tell you because I had said to you, you showed up with Christmas cookies. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Alicia came over. Alicia came over to bring you cookies and Rice Krispie treats, and to bring me cookies and Rice Krispie treats. Thank you. Thank you, Alicia, my baby girl. And then I said, um, You can't pay for the necessities of life with cookies. And I thought everybody would just explode. And then you guys looked at me like, What the fuck? How, how many drinks has he had? And I had any. And I said, That's Alan Arkin from um, Edward Scissorhands. And that's what he says to uh, Edward Scissorhands because uh, he's telling him,
15: Hey, Ed, what are you going to do for the future, buddy? You need to get a job. And Got then. Um, chop <clears throat> some hedges, man. And Catherine got, O'Hara got goddamn hands, right? Scissors for hands. That is that was Catherine O'Hara, right? The wasn't redhead, it? the mom. Yeah, and she was like, "Oh well,
6: so." Oh wait, no, that wasn't her. No, that was some. No, never mind. Uh, take back, take back. No, yeah, that, it's was that one her.
15: that's depressed from fucking Parenthood.
6: Yeah, that's a different completely. Different one I don't know I don't even is. know. She always
15: freaked me out. I don't care. She either. always looked like depressed all the time. Anytime you see her, you're like, "Yeah, this is a depressed lady."
6: Yeah. Anywho. So, yeah, to me, that was like a really big deal. Then we sort of escalated into a little conversation. I told you guys about time that when I was a little kid, they had Pink Panther, Pink Lemonade, and I, I drank so many of them that I vomited all over the floor, just pink goo Ooh. everywhere. And um, then I was like, that happened in Edward Scissorhands. And see, a lot of good stuff that could be on podcasts happens in real life. So uh, I say if you're out there and you're listening, and you go, oh, these fucking assholes, I could do a podcast better, than do it. Fucking start a podcast. I actually... And writing a short ebook oh. about podcasting, um, uh, how to, how to. I'm ten. Uh, I'm about ten pages in
15: of how to start a podcast.
6: Basically, what I'm basically doing is I'm giving a lot of advice because
15: it's easy. Pick a fight with the most famous <laughs> podcast you know. That's no, no, an no, in, no. Hold that's on, an indie podcast.
6: Hold on. Pick a fight oh. with an indie podcast that has a lot of followers who also are nobodies,
15: and then get them mad, well, and then get everybody, everybody riled up. It's all indie podcasts.
6: Yeah. So no, what you, I mean. Um, basically, just what I say in the book is just a lot of, here's what you think you want to do, and don't do that because when you start a podcast, you think a lot of stuff like, all right, man, cool, man, so we got to get some bits going, we got to get some this going, and you know, I'll say stuff like, you know, if you're a stand-up comedian, you know, other comedians get them on stuff like that, you know, um, a lot of early mistakes in podcasting is people go, man, you know who? There's only one person I ever thought to be on this podcast, me, my buddy Jared. You know, and he's a guy that sleeps on the couch too much. Man, smokes a little bit too much weed. And he doesn't show up to your podcast. And then you're one episode in and everyone goes, man, that guy Jared was awesome. And you go, yeah, he's not coming back. Now I got this girl Tiffany from down the street. And, you know, there's just like it's easy to like kind of fuck things up. So I just kind of go into, based on my experience, it's not like I'm preaching. But I do put in the beginning in the intro, this is going to sound preachy. But I'm just kind of telling you from my experience. You can do whatever the fuck you want. I always say that at the end of every chapter. You can do whatever the fuck you want course but if you want like
15: some their fucking podcast
6: yeah but if you want some advice as in because people just jump in and
15: go yeah man I know what it is who cares here's some advice get Will Ferrell on your podcast (laughs) fucking boom
6: yeah write that under um, goals that might not be achieved but no Um, and also yeah don't give up
15: but then your podcast would be good on the ratings that's true
6: Uh, also don't give up but also um,
15: that's why everybody else's podcast that's good is like that
5: Here's you get what you fucking need to John not hear. Hamm.
15: Get Dexter. Get the dude from Walking Dead. Get
6: Dexter.
5: Get the
15: guys from Walking Dead. <laughs> like you don't know who anybody is. Michael C. Hall,
6: you mean? Sure.
15: Get Dexter. Get fucking the fat guy John from that one episode of Cheers in 1982. Oh, no, don't get him. That's the mistake people make. <laughs> no one wants to hear about who are you talking about? Fucking
6: Norm? No, I'm talking about Norm
15: from oh, you're Cheers. Oh, you talking about? I, I was just making oh, like a, a joke. Yes, oh, but oh.
6: no. Um.
15: Get famous, relevant people.
6: I tweeted this, and nobody retweeted it. No one responded to it, but I fucking think that it is something that needs to be addressed. Where the fuck is Dave Coulier's podcast? If you go to iTunes and you type in Dave Coulier, he's been on 100 podcasts. Where's your podcast? Dave Coulier, you are number one for podcasts. Does he not have a podcast? He does not have a podcast, but he needs one. I'm positive. Mm -hmm. I looked it up. And if somebody knows, tweet us at Hanging Outcast.
2: You can track Alex and Justin to their home site at HangingOutcast.com. Tyson Saner clipped us something from a show I had not heard of before, The 31 Podcast. It's basically a twist on the old 20 questions game in which the host, Brant Tobler, asks his guests 31 questions. Not sure why. But here he is with his guest, Tom Segura, co-host of his own podcast, Your Mom's House. What
10: was your favorite toy as a child?
16: (sighs) Um, The first... Like, I have, there's just, like, pictures of me where I was really obsessed with cars, like, little, you know.
10: The Matchbox? Yes. Yeah.
16: And, like, like they could just leave me alone for, like, hours and me just moving cars around. So, I know that, like, I mean, I, I still like cars a lot, actually, <laughs> but not the toy ones. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, like, you know, I played, I, I, that would have to be the go-to, like, that. And then, it's funny, I didn't continue it. Like, a lot of people continue into their adulthood or even into their adolescence. But for a period, I was really into my Star Wars stuff. But it literally completely... Yeah. Like, I completely left it really young. Like, I got into it, you know, when I was a kid. and I was collecting probably, like, I don't know, Stormtroopers and Vader and then... I'm not one of those people that turned it into, like, a collectibles. Like, I don't He's have any. Got,
10: yeah, it's, I don't yeah. know. I had a lot of G.I. Joes. I have no idea whether. G.I.
16: Joes I had, too. I mean, I think favorite would have to be, would probably be either the cars or, for a minute, too, the Transformer stuff. Yeah. Those I, were crazy.
10: Do you remember your parents ever stepping on those cars and getting fucking mad? I remember one time yes. I left a car out. and It's probably every parent's story, like.
16: Oh, yeah. And they slip and fall.
10: Or just scream at me. Clean your shit up.
16: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Getting, cleaning your shit up is a big deal.
10: Yeah, even as an adult. Yeah, I obviously have not gotten good at that. <laughs> uh, what's the most recent thing you have learned?
16: Oh, man, that's a good question.
10: Most... It could be big, small, anything.
16: I know. The most recent thing I've learned, uh, this one is shocking to me. Do you ever forget that you can Google stuff? Yeah. Like you're Like you wonder, like, I wonder why that's that way. And then... And you think about it for yeah. like a couple of years. <laughs> this is so stupid. I thought I knew decent amount about football. And for years, I've been wondering now about when the clock doesn't stop. When guys run oh, out of bounds. I say
10: you tweet about this. Yes. Yeah.
16: And I was like, of course I could have solved that in .02 seconds. I just never looked it up. I tweeted it out. Why is the clock not stopping? Because I guess like... Maybe because my brain was married to, like, I guess maybe in high school, it stops yeah. no matter when it you go out of bounds. It like a simple... It seems logical to yeah. me that you hit out of bounds and the clock stops. So anyway, I tweeted it out. People lit me up like, are you fucking serious? <laughs> and they broke it down for me that, like, the clock stops when there's less than, I guess, two minutes in the first half. And we're talking about when a guy runs out of bounds with the ball. Yeah. I thought the clock always stopped. And I was always like... I was always wondering, like, why didn't the clock stop right then Like yeah, when the guy course. ran out? Anyways, um, that's literally one of the most recent things that I've learned. <laughs>
10: but what's the – isn't if they're turning up field or something? They have to be – you're right. They have Especially to be, in my gambling days, I'd be like, "Why I need fucking coins. Right. Why is the clock going?
16: It's like the, they have to be uh, – there has to be a forward momentum, forward progress. You can't run sideways out of bounds. And then it has to be less than a certain amount of time left either in the, end of the second quarter or the – Last few minutes of the fourth quarter of the game. Yeah, that's funny. You brought, These, that's clearly crazy. I did not learn it well enough, where I can't really repeat. But <laughs> the I exact love way. that's the
10: opposite of Google. Don't ask a question on Twitter because then you get the answer, but just telling yeah. you what a fucking idiot it, you, you are. are. But is it, I, yeah,
16: I was really thinking about it. Like there are things, and I'm I'm doing a poor job of giving you an example, but like things that I realize that you know I wonder sometimes that I don't actually then go. Well, just look this up real quick. I still just go, ah, oh, fucking wonder how
10: that works. Well, a good thing about Google is it solved a lot of. I remember pre- Google, I would argue with dudes for fucking ever about shit. Oh right, and now you just can't. Like, oh really? You think you think John Elway didn't throw as many yards as Joe Montana? We'll yeah. find out. Argument over, but
16: I remember arguing with a a friend of mine, a college roommate, about whether uh, samurai were Japanese or Chinese, <laughs> and he was like adamant and really loud and like near violent about. The fact that samurai are chinese and i was like no they're not and back then it wasn't like um just pull your phone out So we had to go like to the library well back
10: then it's just say it louder
1: yeah say (laughs) it louder
16: right and then but then like fucking library showed to him he's like yeah but fucking what about like it was like (laughs)
10: the next thing to argue about i was like dude yeah that's it saved me from i remember those arguments i used to have just for Like you said, they could go on forever. And now I don't have that many arguments anymore because it's always that loud guy. Yeah. Oh, really? Well, what's this say right here? Uh, argument. Oh, over. yeah. Let me yell at something else. You can catch all 31 questions
2: with Brant Tobler on his home site at 31 com And the 31 is the number 31 in that, by the way. All right. Next up is not a clip, but a full episode. That's right. The debut episode, as a matter of fact, of Adam Barker's parody audio series, The Adventures of Batfella. Uh, This is written and voiced mostly by Adam, but he does have some guests. In episode one, for instance, it features the voice talents of British actress Rita Ramnamni. So let's see uh, how this exciting adventure begins. The Adventures of Batfella.
17: In the dark of the night, in the depth of Hotham City, one man trawls the streets in search of INJUSTICE. One man dressed as a bat. But not that guy from the films you've seen. This guy is a totally new and original character who bears no resemblance. Okay, maybe a slight resemblance to the one guy they call man in a bat costume. This guy tracks criminals in Hotham City, which again is completely different to that other city with a similar name. That is purely a coincidence. Anyway, this bad guy... No, not not guy. This bad person doesn't sound right either. No, no. Fuck, let me find my actual straight. Hang on. Uh, let me just go back a bit. Uh, okay. (coughs) In the dark of night, one man protects the city from injustice and criminal activity. That one person is Batfella. What the fuck? Seriously?
18: Fella bella bella
13: bella
0: fella I need the coordinates on the location of the fiddler.
18: Blimey, Master Duane. I was trying to catch some sleep.
0: Crime never sleeps, Albert.
18: It does when I spent all day tidying up your bloody mess in the battle. What were you doing down there with all those microwaves, anyway, Master Duane?
0: I was doing scientific research with science. I was testing the density of the microwaves and their doors.
18: But why did you blow them up? For science Albert, science! You're not supposed to blow the bloody doors off. It's dangerous.
0: Coordinates Albert, I need to track the Fiddler. He might just know the whereabouts of the Jester.
18: Alright Master Duane. let me put some pants on. Hurry Albert,
0: we don't have much time.
18: Yeah, 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 I know, injustice and that.
0: He must be stopped!
18: Yeah, yeah, over and out.
0: Now, once I have the coordinates of the whereabouts of the Fiddler, I can get more info on the disappearance of the Jester. That smirking fool has been hiding since the murder of-
17: Well, well, well. Look who I happen to run into. It isn't the old Batfella himself.
0: Wonderbird! What are you-
17: What am I doing here? I'm a superhero, dumbass. I come when people need me.
0: The Fiddler! Do you know of his whereabouts?
17: Who? Who the hell is the Fiddler?
0: The Fiddler! Wears a green hat.
17: Green hat. Nope.
0: Green leotard.
17: Green leotard. Nope. Nothing.
0: Likes to confuse people.
17: Well how does he do that exactly?
0: He plays obscure songs on his fiddle and makes you guess them. The Fiddler!
17: Ugh! Really? A bit lame. HE'S A MENACE! Yeah, alright, Batty, calm down. Anyway, I didn't come here to help you. I have my own thing to do.
0: Preventing the city from injustice, like me?
17: No. I heard there was some hot new club opening up downtown that I needed to check out. Get my wonder booty shaking. Maybe give this lasso a good spin, if you know what I mean.
0: Club? And what about injustice?
17: What about it? Is that another club somewhere? Maybe I can visit both in one night. Oh, I'm so horny.
0: No! Injustice must be stopped.
17: What is it with you and that word? Injustice! You know, the more you say it, the more the word starts to lose its meaning. But it must be stopped! Yeah, 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 I get it. Jeez, stop the injustice, blah, blah, blah. Man, you humans are so fickle and annoying, you know that? I mean, I come from a place only inhabited by other women. I'm a friggin' princess there. I'm surrounded by hundreds and thousands of hot, sweaty, sexy women, day in, day out, all vying for my attention and wanting to hang out with me. But I have to sometimes break away from all the hotness and save your human asses. I mean, I literally have to peel their hot, juicy bodies off me. Like, literally, skin on skin, off my body, so I can... Come here, in my see-through jet, to save a bloody cat from a burning building because some dopey old lady left her gas oven on. Do you know what it's like to have to leave a half-naked girl in the midst of ecstasy to save a cat? Do you? I, uh... No. The love of my life died
0: because of injustice.
17: Seriously? Jeez, I thought you might have been a virgin.
0: Wonderbird, are you gay?
17: What?! How can I be gay when the only species of people on my world are female?
0: No men. No men! How do you continue to live? How do you reproduce?
17: Seriously? You want me to answer that? Yes. Oh, grow up, Batty. You see, this is why I need to come here and help you out sometimes. You just have no clue about the real world, do you?
0: My parents died when I was young! I know enough about the world. I know what it needs rid of. Injustice! Injustice, it must be stopped!
17: Yeah, okay, all right. Well, I'd better head off to this club and get my superhero groove on. You sure you don't want to come?
0: Is Injustice in there?
17: She might be. It's bound to be full of hot chicks looking for some hot leather action.
0: This suit isn't leather. It's pleather. It's cheaper. Makes it easier to move.
17: You. Well, whatever, Batty. You coming out or not?
0: No! need to stay here. I may not be the hero this city deserves right now, but I am the hero. This city.
17: Yawn. Yeah, okay, well, don't say I didn't offer. Have fun sitting up here on this roof all alone and frankly looking a little bit creepy. Wonderbird. What?
0: Do you really have sex with all those women where you come from?
17: Oh, Batty. So innocent, so adorable. But yes, I fuck them all. See ya.
0: Wow. What a wonder slut.
18: Master Duane, I have the coordinates on the whereabouts of that fiddler.
0: Send them to my pager, Albert.
18: Pager? Bloody hell, Master Duane. We really need to update your gadgets.
0: Injustice doesn't pay very well, Albert. Injustice doesn't pay.
2: So there you have it—the layout, the setup, if you will, for Batfella. And you better enjoy it, especially if you're an Adam Barker fan, because the two podcasts that Adam normally does, the Oddcast Podcast UK and the It's Not Soccer Podcast, are both taking a break until early spring while his girlfriend is having a baby. And one assumes that Adam is uh, assisting in some way. Otherwise, he's just uh, making up an excuse for not doing a podcast. You can catch that episode and uh, whatever other episodes come out in the meantime of Batfella. Full series due to run shortly. And all of Adam's stuff is up at BarkerPodcasts.webs.com. Best place to go. But of course, you can also track them down on iTunes and Stitcher, along with all the rest of the podcasts we feature here. With a few exceptions, there's still some people not up on Succotash. In fact, I was shocked to find out that uh, Chill Pack Hollywood Hour, uh, one of our favorite podcasts, and I didn't play a clip from it this time because they didn't talk about me on their first episode. But anyway, uh, they're not up on Stitcher yet, which I found surprising, but I'm sure they will. In fact, Phil has mentioned that they are trying to get get on there. Uh, They just have to fill out a thing. I don't think it takes much to get up there. Um, Heck, we're up there, for God's sake. Uh, All right, for our first Burst-O-Durst of 2014, it only makes sense that our resonant raging moderate gazes into his cracked crystal ball and make with some predictions for the upcoming twirl around the sun.
4: Hey, guys. Will Durst here with a few choice words about this. The beginning of the new year, and the grand old tradition of we professional commentators trotting out the tried-but-true ye old predictions piece. Either that or the ye olde resolutions piece, but we wandered down that particular trail in 2013, and probably will again next year. So now that our twisted and tortured explanation is out of the way, here they are, predictions of what to expect from various folks during the fifth year of the second decade of the 21st Century. In the year 2014, Vladimir Putin will win a gold medal in Sochi in the biathlon, and he will do it shirtless. Barack Obama will finally purge himself of the heavy burden of high expectations. The Republican House will outline a plan to fix Social Security that involves raising the retirement age to 83. Hillary Clinton will change her hairdo so that it looks eerily like Elizabeth Warren's. The TSA will expedite passenger security by perfecting the implementation of the two-handed wedgie. The Justice Department will break more laws, then conduct further investigations into who told the press about the breaking of those laws, instead of investigating the crimes stemming from the laws being broken. John Boehner will encourage the nations unemployed to move to Mexico for one of the thousands of U.S. jobs now there. Chris Christie will talk his way out of a rabbit snare into a bear trap. Joe Biden will change his hairdo so it looks eerily like Chris Christie's. All four Duck Dynasty boys will enter the next Louisiana governor's race, but will knock each other out. No, seriously. And finally, in the year 2014, the airline industry will make every effort to rid the skies of the most dangerous security threat known to man, passengers. For Succotash, the podcast of comedy podcasts, I'm Will Durst.
2: Get yourself a load of Durst over at willdurst.com. And he's also tweeting on Twitter, at Will Durst. That's W-I-L-L-D-U-R-S-T. There it is then. Epi 79 done. 2014 off and running. And all is right with the world. For now, I want to once again thank our newly anointed, fully associated producer, Tyson Sainer, for associating us a bunch of clips for this episode. Uh, Here's a nice New Year's resolution for you. Go up to iTunes and rate and review us. Sure. Be generous. Give us four or five stars. Give us a line or two about how much Succotash Show has changed your life. Or if you're on Stitcher, give us a thumbs up. If you're feeling exceedingly generous, uh, no reason you can't go up to succotashshow.com and click on the Donate button. You can also buy some merchandise at our Succotashery. Why not? We've got some lovely stuff up there. Or you can use our Amazon link and go to do your shopping on Amazon through us. They give us a few cents back, and it's a win-win situation. I want to thank you, our listener, for doing us the honor of listening. I hope you continue to listen. And what's more, it would be delicious of you if you were to pass the
1: Succotash. You've been listening to Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast with your host, Mark Hershon, brought to you by Henderson's Pants. And imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuccotashShow.com, on iTunes, or on Stitcher Smart Radio. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at SuccotashShow, email us at marc at succotash show.com or call into the Succotash hotline at our toll call number 818-921-7212 That number again is 818-921-7212 Suck-A-Tash is produced and engineered by Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P Sausalito the home of the hit our musical director is Scott Carvey our booth assistant is Kenny Durges until next time I'm your loyal booth announcer Bill Haywatt reminding you to please pass the suck a Goodbye.